All right, I'm going to get to the intro real quick. You know who I am, Matt. Hi, 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 hi. Today's episode, I speak with my friend and actor and improviser, Tyler Deloach. Tyler came over to my kitchen and we talked all things Tyler. It's a great time. Here's my conversation with Tyler Deloach. Hi, Tyler. Hey, I'm Matt. Thanks for doing this. Oh, of course. I want to say this. So I think we, I, we are friends Yeah. Uh, for about three years now. And I think you are one of the few people who I don't, I can't be serious with <laughs> at all. Like, I, I don't know why, but even in the, the most serious moments, we can't be, we can't focus at all. Yeah, it's because I'm a silly little monster. You are a silly little monster. <laughs> Have you been called that your entire life? I mean, I think that's the first time anyone's called me that and I called myself that just now, so... Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I'd agree with myself there. Okay, great. We met during, uh, during the pandemic. During yes. all these pop-up experiences. Yes, September. September. 2020. Do you remember? Yes. September. We did the Friends Experience. Mm. And boy, was it an experience. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Okay. So, because you worked with that company... Before, prior to COVID, like they, they're a pop up museum, so they have their little. Right. They do like they do like a Hamilton experience. A couple years right. That prior. was a different company to the Hamilton experience, oh, but the okay. uh, same uh, manager gotcha. worked that, and then went over to Friends Experience. Gotcha. Yeah. So I came, so our one of our friends put us in this group chat, and I didn't know who half of y'all were. <laughs> like and I'll and then I think we got paired up next to each other for like that first day, and the Friends experiences is you know pop up museum based on the show Friends. However, every little section of the museum you go to, they have like the TV that would play like the same five clips, same clips, and I think eventually like you and I sort of realize like oh this is gonna be awful, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because <laughs> they're playing the same five clips. Yes, so we would start to like mimic it. Yes. Yes, that's correct. That's exactly how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> I think, what was your, I know I don't really particularly like Friends, but I think the one line that we still would do is, uh, I went to that tanning place <laughs> your wife suggested. suggested. Was that place <laughs> the sun? <laughs> if I ever see that guy, if I ever see that guy again, you know what I'm going to do? Bend over! <laughs> Yeah, it's like the the exact way they said it is stuck in my head. And I don't think it'll ever be removed. That was we were how long was that? Eight months? Must have been. I mean, or six was, six to eight because we were we opened we were in interrupted. September. We yeah, were interrupted we were, when COVID spiked again. So we were done for the holidays, but we mm-hmm. came back in spring, and I think we were like another three months or something like that. Yeah, yeah, sounds right. Sounds about right. And then we went our separate ways. Yes. And and so now we work together at the Goodman. That's correct, the Goodman Theater. And you are technically my boss. <laughs> yeah, boss. Sure, sure. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Uh, I. How's it been? Because you, did you have you you grew up in Palatine, but then moved to Raleigh, North Carolina first, correct? Right. I was yeah. I was born in Palatine. Was there maybe a year, two years, moved around Illinois, and then when I was six, I moved to North Carolina. You know the reason for the move? Work. My dad's, uh, 
my dad uh, got a job in North Carolina. Also, we had family in Virginia, so it oh. was like getting closer to them. And nice. Yeah. And I need to get this out of the way. So I didn't know I was sitting next to the inventor of tennis ball. <laughs> yes. Tell me more. I don't know about tennis ball. I told you it's in my research. <laughs> yes. And I um it was at the squash court of a YMCA. We didn't know how to play squash. Um I wanna say we had tennis rackets and a tennis ball and so we just started playing a baseball like game <laughs> on the squash court <laughs> and that evolved to like we start playing it on the street that we lived in in uh in north carolina and so you know a narrow street you can't really play baseball because you know you'll break a window right, so absolutely just throw a ball down the plate hit it with a tennis racket Set up your own bases. Yeah. Every time our car comes down the street, we have to, you know, pause. But did you, like, every time you saw a car coming, you try to finish whatever you were doing? Yeah, we'd have to, we, 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 we get to finish the play, you yeah. know. Like, I, very... we have a basketball, there's a basketball hoop right at my house where I used to live, and whenever we play, like, basketball, of course, the hoop is facing the street. Right. So, as soon as the car's coming, literally, the, whoever had the ball would try to finish the play first. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was a long enough street that you you had a fair amount of warning. Right. But I, when I was even younger, I thought I was the inventor of golf ball, mm-hmm. where I would stand on a table with a golf club and be swinging wiffle balls mm-hmm. all across the backyard instead of golf balls. Oh, yeah. Because I thought at the time it could get more air. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't work. No. Nope. nope. It was back to the course that was like January too. Mm-hmm. So there was times where I accidentally like hit the table and the golf club would like shoot, oh, rattle and like yeah. now it's cold as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so yeah, what kind of kid were you? Oh, I was an ADHD filled kid. I was n- never paying attention to anything uh, full of energy. And I remember whenever I'd get my haircut as a kid, I would just be sitting there making funny faces at the mirror, <laughs> just trying to make whoever was cutting my hair laugh. <laughs> That's exactly the kind of kid I was. <laughs> Were you uh, like a good student? Like, did you get good grades? No. No? No. Um, I think it was around fourth grade when I realized that there was nothing physically forcing me to do any homework in life. And <laughs> I don't need to do this. Yeah, so basically from fourth to eleventh grade, I was like, "Well, I'm not in school. I'd rather do other stuff, and so I'm gonna do that stuff instead. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna do any of this homework." But okay, uh, and were your parents like? What did your like? Your obviously your parents cared about you. Yeah, yeah, they weren't fans of that mindset. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, and, but yet, um, but you were still, like, and you still had friends, you still did other extracurriculars, it was just, you'd rather be doing that. Yeah, yeah, I did, uh, mostly sports up until high school were the extracurriculars I did. I, baseball, tennis, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, combine them, you get tennis ball, but, you know, there's no recreational league for Surprise it. Surprise, you didn't start a league. Yeah. <laughs> 
Man, you and The Rock could be starting, like, tennis ball right now. Yeah. It's on, like, late night ESPN. Yeah, yeah. It would have been the new pickleball. Yeah, it would have been, yeah that would have helped people during COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but, um... Yeah, I, uh... Grade-wise, it was just... Hey, I don't have the mental energy <laughs> to, right. Right. to go home and do science lab reports and all this. Did you focus in school or are you just doodling or thinking about other things? Yeah, I focused a good amount of in school, which is kind of what helped uh, me maintain that not doing homework problem that I had. <laughs> <laughs> you play it, the parts. Yeah, because it was like, hey, if I pay attention enough in class, then when I go home, homework's kind of just busy work and I don't really need to do it, which, you know, and when you get to, you know, college, that comes back to bite you, but right. at the, you know, levels of class that I was taking, it kind of worked. Mm-hmm. So, um, I remember my biology teacher in high school was so mad at me for getting a C in his class and also getting a perfect score on his final exam. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm sure you cheated. <laughs> <laughs> You no, I, surprise! I like biology. <laughs> I just, I just went home and played video games. I bet. I hope you know. People listening might think so. That's how you get good grades. Is it? You only do well on the final. Well, that's how you prevent failing. <laughs> do you remember what your final grade was? Yeah, my final grade was this. After the final was a C. <laughs> so without the final. <laughs> Did you guys, uh, I assume you guys had like parent-teacher conferences, right? Yes. Did your teachers, uh, this is going to relate, so my, in high school, my teachers, my parents hated conferences because they, they always knew that I also struggled in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and my teachers were always very dramatic when it comes to like how I'm doing. Right. When I was taking economics, my, my one teacher would go, help me help your son. <laughs> or... My math teacher was like, yeah, there's no way he's going to pass. Right. And my mom's like, what happened to the support? Mm-hmm. Um, was it ever like that for you when your teachers are laying down the bad news? Yeah, I remember my parents by that point kind of understood that, you know, what the issue was, was me coming home and not doing the work that was assigned to me. Right. And I mean, I feel like everyone understood that. And... For some reason, it was just impossible to cross that barrier of, you know, we'd have a conference, I'd start doing my homework for a little bit, and then, you know, I'd get bored of it and stop. Right. And, yeah, it was basically a kind of a crapshoot as to whether I'd finish with a <laughs> passing grade or not. I ended up passing my classes, so it wasn't much of an issue with not great grades, but, you know, not failing. So, you know, it... It was fine. <laughs> when you look back Eventually. at your high school, when you look back at your high school reunion, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, and I realized, you know, I senior year I started doing my homework again. Mm-hmm. I started I started doing my assignments. I started actually working. It was kind of when I decided that I, you know, had a future that I wanted to pursue. I was gonna say what changed, was that it? Yeah, yeah. It was I think it was the moment that I figured out you could major in theater in high in uh, college. Right. So let's talk about that. Did you do? Would you immediately? Did you get in theater? Yeah. You did one show, right, in high school. 
in high school I did hmm I did oh let me see let, let me let me go through the math I want to say I did four okay yeah oh you did choir once I did choir once in high school and then you did in college right mm-hmm. okay yes I did Antigone my sophomore year Antigone Antigone, yeah. We had shirts that said Antigone on it, but the I was replaced with, like, the silhouette of a woman, Antigone. Yeah. So we just call it Antgon, like a pesticide. The new DreamWorks animated film. Mm-hmm. And then Oklahoma, my junior year, and then senior year, we did Alice in Wonderland and Beauty and the Beast. What made you want to do theater? Was it just a distraction for you? I always liked acting. I kind of... Going into high school, thought I'd end up, you know, uh, TV and film acting before, you know, theater kind of, you know, infected my soul. Um, I I also wouldn't want to know that I know I also am sitting next next to someone who did one of the world's greatest monologues from the movie School of Rock. (laughs) That's true. That was my freshman year. We got assigned to do a monologue and I picked um, when Jack Black is going, the world is run by the man. The man? Oh, you don't know the man? <laughs> they, they picked that for you. I picked it for myself. What? Yeah. And that was the first time my drama teacher was like, oh. <laughs> I don't know how, this is original. Yeah. This is this is a monologue I haven't seen anyone do, and it wasn't bad. Then <laughs> you realize from there, oh, this is perfect for me. Yeah, yeah, and I think the reason I stuck with drama through high school was mainly because they were less strict about grades. Fair. Uh, my brothers were on the tennis team. There wasn't a baseball team at my high school, so oh. I it, I wasn't going to go through the effort of you know trying. trying at a different place. Right. Um, and yeah, the tennis team was like, hey, your grades have to be this good. And I was like, hey, I'll do something else. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't care about your grades? Uh, they were supposed to. <laughs> but, I was to say, that's how they were at my high school. Yeah. It but, was, I mean, our drama teacher, you know, she was an actor. She didn't, you know, didn't she, she didn't, she didn't go to teach at a high school to play administrator. Right. She just wanted to, you know, yeah, my teacher was a, you know, if you were failing, mm-hmm. then you would have the talk. Right. But if, you know, D or D's mm-hmm. get degrees. Yeah. And honestly, if, if you know, that uh, grade requirement had been enforced, I wouldn't have gotten better grades. I would have just, you know, done less stuff outside of school. So. Yeah. So how did your parents feel about you doing theater? Uh, they liked it. They always supported it, even in high school. Yeah. It was never one of those. I remember when a report card came out and I got bad grades. They might say, "Hey, you can't do. Uh, you you can't go to your baseball game next Saturday or whatever." Uh, when I started drama, it was never. You have bad grades. You can't do the play. Yeah. So it was always. They always supported it. They always came to everything. Even now, uh, they don't live in the city. They live back in North Carolina. Right. And my mom was like, "Hey." Tell me if you want me to come out to see a show you're in, and I will. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I, you know, don't. <laughs> and yet they still come. Well, uh, the most recent one uh, for Three Penny Opera, she happened to be in town for, uh, uh, had, what was it, 8K? The Shamrock yeah. Shuffle. 
and so she came to see it. But really, uh, if it's if it's a big enough show and I have a big enough role, I'll say, hey, come out and see it. But you know, I she's she's seen a lot, and mm. my parents have seen a lot, so. Is she okay? So, like, my parents, when they come see the shows I do, if it's not It's a Wonderful Life, mm-hmm. they're very confused by it. Right. You know, when I did Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, and, you know, we gender bend it, and uh, it was played by two females, who, but Rosencrantz and Guildenstern were non-binary, or, and we have these tragedians who are, who are sets of clowns. Right. They were, you know, they're not gonna they're gonna be very confused by it and like what is this why are the pirates why are they juggling are your parents the kind who you know they love you they will support you they don't know what kind of show this is or what they're seeing right i'd say for the most part my mom does go to see theater on by herself uh pretty frequently for someone who doesn't who didn't grow up doing theater herself Uh, i'd say my most recent show with three penny she came to see it uh, didn't necessarily get it. Yeah. But, you know, it's a 1920s play uh, by a Marxist author set in Victorian London. So, you know, if if you're not familiar with Brecht, even if you do theater, you're probably not going to get 100% of it. Right. And I remember she told me afterwards, I have some research to do on this. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, yeah, that's, I think that's the mindset that's to have. Yeah. If you don't get a, if you don't get the play or if you don't, you know, there's a lot that confuses you about it, you know, say, hey, I have some research to do about it. And then, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, oh, that makes sense. That was done really well after looking up the Wikipedia page for the play. That's so what, so, I like that. So no, you did so good, which translates, mm-hmm. I didn't like it, to, to mm-hmm. I guess I have some research to do. Yeah. I like that. So the, so back to, uh, so you graduated from high school, you went to Coker University. Yes, at the time, Coker College. Coker College, double C, excuse me. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a university now? Yes, I think the year after, sometime, sometime mid-COVID, they changed the uh, university. Look more prestigious. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you start doing improv? Because as well, you're well known in Chicago as a theater actor, but I would say you have hit your stride when it comes to improv. Yeah. Uh, my first experience with improv at any real level was in college. There was an improv class that my acting professor taught and you know, like really got down to the basics, like, you know, how do you do a scene? When do you say yes and all yeah. that stuff? And then I moved to Chicago. Uh, I'm first thing I did, I, you know, went online to try to, you know, find other people who did who performed. And there was some there were some people meeting at Second City. And so we saw a show there it was a sketch show. Yeah. And someone was like, hey, you should start taking classes here. And someone else said, hey, you should start taking classes at IO Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that. There was a class called Improv for Actors, which I was an actor and I wanted to do improv. So I took that class. There you go. And really started from there. Uh, the class was mostly filled with people who were new to Chicago and wanted to, you know, either gain a new skill set or meet other actors. So we all kind of gelled and started doing our own stuff. We but were they good? I only ask because some people take a class like, oh, I now could have on my resume, I was at the Second City. Right. Were the, was the class good or were the people good? Were the people the, good? Uh, there was a mix. I think with improv especially, when you start, no matter how good of an actor you are, you just might not be a good improviser. Yeah. 
that just comes with repetition. And the fun thing about improv is you can't study your way into being good at it. No. You just have to do more shows, take more classes. Uh, and so, yeah, a lot of the improv that we did, I would say, if I went back and looked at it, if I went back right now and looked at it, I'd say, hey, that was a bad scene. We The sketch that we wrote was, you know, very flawed, all that kind of stuff. Which is fine. That's what you have to do. You have to do something. Be- you have to do something poorly before you do it well. So, right. Were you good at the beginning, or did it take you a while? I say I'd say it took me. It took me a while. Uh, there's confidence for one thing is so important. You have yeah. to be able to say I'm making this decision. I'm sticking with it. And the harder I commit, the funnier it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And. That's not always true. <laughs> For the most part, if you're not good at improv, the harder you commit, the worse it's going to be. But you just have to trust that you'll get to the point where it'll flip. Yeah. So it's... Yeah, I was bad at improv. I think most people are bad at improv when they start. And the right. people who are uh, good at improv when they start, great for them. <laughs> Teach me. Mm-hmm. But most beginner level improv classes are also going to be filled with people who are the funniest in their friend group. Right. Who's, who have been told, hey, you should do comedy, you should do improv, you should do that. So once you kind of get past that level and start working with people who are, you know, I want to put on a good show. I want to, you know, create funny comedy and it's less, I want to showcase how funny I am. Right. Then you start to grow and you start to, you start to learn what's funny and what an audience reacts to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate when people go, oh, you should be on Second City, or you should be, you should do this, because it's like, then you're stuck in that head of, oh, I'm the funniest human being in the world, or I'm yeah. so multi-talented, um, and then, you, and then luckily, you get smacked with reality. Yeah, a lot of it comes down to having funny ideas, as opposed to being a funny person. Yeah. Because if, you, if you're a funny person, and you're just reacting to things like, you know, just riffing off of what someone else says... That can be funny in a conversation. It can be funny in improv, but when it comes to sketch writing or when it comes to like a long form improv show where you're trying to improvise the same character for 30 minutes, 45 minutes or an hour, then it's kind of, you know, yeah, hits a deeper level. Are you, do you consider yourself a funny person? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. I think, uh, <laughs> I'd be lying if I, <laughs> if I said otherwise. Uh, I'm like, this is not, I'm just trying to boost your ego right now, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I had, I, I've always been, you know, in conversations, you know, doing bits and annoying people with uh, making serious moments into jokes. I, my favorite from you is, wow, you went from, uh, wow, you went from, I'm hip to, ow, my head. <laughs> It's my favorite comedy in the world. <laughs> yeah, you are, I think you are known to me as someone, you know, when we were talking about we can't be serious, mm-hmm. you will just let out, like, a one-liner at the worst <laughs> possible time. Yeah, you, I mean, you should think about the things that I choose not to say. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> Tell me, okay, so there's a flaw, there's a sketch I heard that didn't get pulled, that didn't get accepted, which was, oh no, <laughs> which was, 
Uh, I'm Gilbert. I'm <laughs> I knew. <laughs> I knew. I knew this was gonna be <laughs> when you said a sketch that didn't get accepted. I knew it was gonna be the Gottfried, the Gilbert and Godfrey podcast. podcast. Well, I, I was like, oh, it's appropriate. You're coming on the podcast. <laughs> it was. It was um, during Second City Conservatory. We were, you know, putting together sketches to eventually do a show. Yeah, and me and my buddy Chance. Shout out to Chance. He's in L.A. now. Whoa. Um, he, we, <laughs> we, both, we, we both, you know, get a little tipsy and start doing our Gilbert Gottfried impressions. <laughs> and so we had a podcast idea that we'd just be like, I'm Gilbert and I'm Gottfried and this is the Gilbert and Gottfried podcast. And <laughs> the way flips right now. <laughs> So you just exploded. Yeah. Sure, I just destroyed your mic just then. <laughs> yeah. But we uh we showed that sketch to to our to the <laughs> to the instructor of our improv team and and they were just like, What a, what 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 is this? What more do you have? Is it just is the idea you're just both Gilbert Gottfried? And we're like, Yeah. And he's like, No, we can't. No, do we're that. Sitting too bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they instantly rejected it because it was Gilbert Gottfried, but, they, but because there was no idea behind it. it other than the fact that it was Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, God. That's so, yeah, that was the only thing I just hear from you is just a Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Uh, is there a sketch that you're most proud of that made through? Uh, there's one. I wrote one sketch that made it to the final show. It was... Uh, now, don't get mad at me, because it's very controversial. You let me know if we need a cut. Right. This sketch is about how annoying it is when there is a puppy being walked near you, and everyone's attention focuses on it, and you have to stop everything to be like, Oh, the puppy walking by! Oh, isn't it so cute? And so... <laughs> That's my idea of controversial comedy. You're in the park, and you see the dog walking by... The hell's yeah. For? <laughs> yeah, you you really have to push the envelope in yeah, comedy no and cha- in challenge. Wait, really, t- you really go where it hurts. Yeah, you have to challenge the Hollywood elites. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it went through. Yeah, it went through. It was, I think, it was you know really well technically written. Okay. Uh, it was just kind of beginning, middle, and end was pretty solid. So I think you know, and it was the only sketch that I wrote <laughs> for say, the show. <laughs> It, so you start with improv and what may get got you into sketch? Is it just part of the course? It's that's just generally what happens. Okay. Uh, you have an improv team. You have a bunch of people together. You improvise enough scenes together. That you're like, hey, we could write some of this down and do a show. I've never been much of a writer. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying to get more into it, but I just, you know, it's just like homework. <laughs> I don't have time. I just, for you know, I have other stuff to do. I got play two K. <laughs> yeah. I like when other people write stuff for me. That's easy. I'll yeah. memorize. Yeah. I'm a great editor and a bad writer. That's what I always say. So so if you know someone hands me a sketch, I can be like, hey, I can change this line. This will be funnier. So kind of what I realize is I just have to write bad material and edit it. <laughs> and then I'll have good material. But... Yeah, there you go. We did great. We might do one, uh, It's Wonderful Life. Last year we did radiograms. Mm-hmm. So people can write them out before the show and then... I will say them during intermission, uh, during act two, mm-hmm. and there would just be some nights where we would get just nothing. Right. So I would just write my own. 
And, like, I use the hip comic, for example, or mm-hmm. I would, you know, do the classic, you have a face for radio, yeah. or, you have, uh, or a voice for silent film, and I would, like, change it to, like, my ex or something, yeah. just to make it funnier. Sure. Um, and the amount of times where someone would try, would come up to me, because I was, <clears throat> I would say my grams were too current in terms of themes and, and topics, Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be very sweet, like I love you and Merry right. Christmas. And mine was like, "Hey, I love you." By the way, you need to take the trash out or something like that. <laughs> and then, which it was always like, "You can't, you can't, you can't say that." Right. Um, and then, like two weeks into the run, my stage manager would be like, "All right, my mom's coming, and I need to say, and I need something funny. Can you write something funny?" I'm like, "Oh, look." Now you come to me. <laughs> now I'm wel- now I'm wa- I'm welcome. So right. I, I said something like, "By the way, you owe me seventy five dollars," and they got seventy five dollars. <laughs> so I am the best gift that keeps on giving. Nice. Um. So so yeah. What brought you back to Chicago? By the way, because you were at Coco College for the four years. You know, being yes. Sweeney, doing improv and all that. Yes, in South Carolina, uh, my junior year. I still remember getting um the text from my mom that my dad had got a job in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason he took, I mean, it was a, you know, it was a good job, but also familiar with Chicago. I don't think he would have taken a job anywhere outside of like the North Carolina area or yeah. Chicago area. And I just thought I want to do theater. I don't really know what I'm going to do after I graduate. It's yeah. just kind of perfect. You know, I would, I would either be after college going Back to Raleigh, where there's some theater, but, you know, it's not a theater town. Or going to Chicago or New York. I had no idea how I was going to do New York if I moved there. And when did you graduate? What, 2018? 2018, yes. Okay, so a few years before COVID. Yes. And were you you getting cast? And were you doing stuff in Chicago by the time you moved? Or did it take a while? Uh, It took a while. When I... Well, you know, while relative, of course, but when I moved to Chicago, I did improv and sketch for like the first year. Yeah. I started in like August doing classes. And then my first show was a little show at Pride Arts, uh, America's Best Outcast Toy, which... Uh, was one of those shows where the cast was phenomenal, one of the most fun group of people, fun and talented group of people I've ever worked with, and people didn't come to see it. <laughs> so every show we're like, hey, what's going to be larger, the cast or the audience tonight? Which, you know, if you've done storefront theater, that's the reality of it. Yeah. Unless you're at one of the, you know, big companies. And uh, this was, I want to say a year into being Chicago, mm-hmm. being in Chicago where I got that first job the the playbills had the had said america's favorite outcast toy on it so even that was wrong and <laughs> the play that goes wrong oh <laughs> uh, but yeah it was a it was a fun experience and after that i got um after that covid happened so this was winter 2019 yeah into i want to say into january 2019 it went a little past New Year's, and then two months, and then everything shuts down. So you were in New York, where everything got shut down. Yes, I was <laughs> in New York. I was staying at an Airbnb in Harlem when it happened. I had booked tickets 
and I was going to see several Broadway shows. And I still remember the ones I was going to see. I was I was going to see the Temptations musical, yeah. Ain't Too Proud, Hades Town, and oh, I'm sure there was a third one. <laughs> it got canceled. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so the uh, Hades Town was the first one I was going to see. I took a nap. I woke up. It was canceled. It was one of those, the weeks leading up to it, we knew that everything was going to shut down because people were starting to get COVID in the U.S. Uh, We had, we didn't know when, no one really knew when. Right. And it seemed like, hey, you know, weekend's going to pass, then they're going to shut things down because, you know, tourism, you want to get those last few bucks in. Yeah. And then uh, Tom Hanks got COVID and Rudy Gobert got (laughs) <laughs> got the two COVID. people who you knew was going to start this whole yeah. thing. Our, those were the two cases. Yep. Because when Tom Hanks got it, then we were all thinking, hey, everyone might have it right now. <laughs> <laughs> if, he, if he can get it, yeah. then I can get it. Yeah. And so that's when it kind of seemed like, what are the chances that this the most famous actor <laughs> in the world has COVID? Everyone is probably infected or near someone infected right now. And then uh, Rudy Gobert got it, and the NBA shut down mid-game. That was just a horror film right there. Yeah. And then, like, it was the day before he was joking about it. He was, like... touching the mics. Licking his hands and touching all the microphones. Yeah, it's literally just a horror film. Yeah, it was... And I still remember it, like, you know, uh, in some, like, uh, Doomsday movie, you can see, like, the news headlines flicker by. And I remember... I remember seeing the, you know, something about a, a virus going around China yeah. in the months before and thinking, oh, that sucks. <laughs> but of course, not thinking it was going to be a me. defining incident of our generation. <laughs> right. And here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I went to take a nap. I woke up thinking, hey, I hope I see Hades Town. And then, you know, everything was canceled. Was canceled. And they did a thing where you could either get a full refund or you could get uh, credit for 120% of your ticket value. Whoa. So I did that because I was like, eventually I'm going to come back to New York. And have you? <laughs> yes. I did go back. I saw Ain't Too Proud and I saw Hades Town. There you go. I saw two other shows too, uh, Carolina Change and uh, Chicken and Biscuits. Which is a play that had Norm Lewis in it. Yeah. I'm always going to see Norm Lewis if he's... I just saw Norm Lewis uh, a couple days ago. Oh, in Soldier's Play? In Soldier's Play. So, um, yeah, I got... So, COVID was really good for me with the... (laughs) So, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah, I don't know what all the hoopla's about. (laughs) Yeah. But also, I think Broadway got a bit less expensive after COVID because they were still trying to get people back. Right. So... And now it's peaking again. Yes. The pricing. Yeah. Well, all the shows are closing now. That's fair. Feels like. Fans of the Opera's closing. What's still good on Broadway? You still have, uh, I mean, for the long-running shows, Lion King, Hamilton, Yeah, I mean, Hades, Hades Town's still going. Hades Town's going. It's just not the original cast. Right, yeah, I think, I mean, pretty much all the original casts are gone by now. Yeah. Of any huge show. I mean, Parade's still a bit, and that's, I opened it this year. Yeah, Goodnight Oscar is about to open. Yeah. Shout out to the Goodman. <laughs> shout out to the shout out to the Sean Hayes. We yeah, that was a fun. You saw that show? Yes, I saw Goodnight Oscar twice. I saw, it, I saw it three times. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I did too. It was really funny. The set yeah. was the set was gorgeous. That's all I can say. Yeah. 
Sean Hayes is Hayes is a fantastic actor. I mean, everyone in the cast yeah. was really solid. Ethan Slater, who who like who knew like we got Ethan Slater before like he was he was famous enough because mm-hmm. like, he was on Broadway and he was nominated for a Tony. Yeah. But now that he's doing Wicked, like he's going to become even more right. Famous. Like, we got him. We've got him before he's going to peak. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those where Ethan Slater is immensely talented, but like you know they didn't they didn't give him much to do. <laughs> no, they didn't. No, he didn't at all. Like the role was fine. Like, yeah. he's only in for he yeah. said he said the line mm-hmm. good luck. Yeah, which made everyone go oh yeah. And it's one of those you know I'm sure there's someone out there who sees Ethan Slater in a cast and thinks ooh I want to see it because of Ethan Slater. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sure people like our age went to that show. Like, oh yeah. No offense. Nothing against Sean Hayes. Like mm-hmm. they didn't grow up with with Will and Grace. Well, me personally, I knew. Ethan Slater's name more than I knew Sean Hayes' name. Right. Like, I saw the cast, like, Ethan, mm-hmm. S- Ethan Slater? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> You're in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, Pete, I want to say Pete Gross is his name from the Sonic commercials. Peter Gross. Peter Gross. Who, very immensely funny. Really? I've yeah, not seen no. these Sonic commercials. No, he's, well, just in general, he's, yeah, he's just a funny, funny person. Oh, good. So anyway, uh, we went on a, rant, a little tangent. <laughs> we did. <laughs> I don't know what's going to stay. I'll let uh, you know. Um, so I would also say this has been you have been getting cast in these acclaimed shows: Three Penny, Sweeney Todd. You did Rent. Uh, where? How do you feel to be in this stage of your career where? You are getting in these acclaimed Jeff nominated productions. And do you fear for the future? <laughs> well, I feel very lucky. I think there are a ton of actors who want to be doing these great shows and to be one of a few to get to do Kokani Sweeney Todd or yeah. Theo's Three Penny Opera is, you know, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, I think there's. Yeah, I said lucky. There's a lot of luck that comes down to it. You know, if I had taken uh, a small role with a different company that I wanted very much and it ended up being a, a show that didn't get, you know, Jeff recommended or anything, that's just the way the dice kind of falls. Yeah, you don't care. Yeah, it's... it's uh, all I can really ask for is that I, I get cast in a production and I help elevate it. Yeah. With... Sweeney Todd, it's a weird feeling because I was a swing in that production. So, you know, I'm not on opening night, you know, when it gets Jeff recommended and I'm uh, there for random performances. If someone says they loved Sweeney Todd, I'm like, hey, I might have been there. I might have not been there. Yeah. So I think in total, I was probably there for maybe like a fifth or a sixth of the shows. Yeah. But it's still one of those uh, you... Whenever you work in the cast and you're there every day and you see the swings, you know, sitting on the side, taking all their notes and working as hard as they can to be ready in case they're needed, you don't really dispute that they're part of the cast and they're right. an important part. And any um, any positive feedback the play gets, it goes to them as well. But when it's you as the swing, there's still that kind of, you know, hey, great for them. <laughs> and then there's me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think it's so important to have a good ensemble and a good cast and a good, you know, external understudies as well. Because 
everyone should be able to see the same high quality show. Right. And so part of the pride I feel being in a swing role for Sweeney Todd is knowing that everyone who saw the play, regardless of who was out, was able to see that high quality show. So Nice. Well, speaking of high quality, we're going to play a game. All right. This game's called Time for Two. Two minutes on the clock and two minutes of random icebreaker questions. Uh, to, uh, no right, no wrong. I'm just curious to see what your opinion is. All right? All right. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Typical bedtime. 1 a.m. Favorite part of waking up. Favorite part of waking up is staying in bed for another hour. <laughs> is there is there a chore you absolutely hate doing? A what? A chore you absolutely hate doing. Ooh, I doing the dishes. Mm, the uh, uh, what do you like to put in your coffee? I don't drink coffee. Ooh, no caffeine. Ooh, karaoke song of choice. Karaoke. Ooh, Frank Sinatra, my way. <laughs> Would you rather live in a in a uh, amusement park or a zoo? Amusement park. Favorite president. Oh, favorite president. Oh, there are so many to not choose from. Lyndon <laughs> <laughs> uh, B. Johnson. Oh, okay. Favorite Beatle. Paul McCartney. Uh, who is the greatest game show host of all time? Steve Harvey. Is there a lie that George Santos has said about you? Uh, not yet. How do you like your eggs? Scrambled. Toilet paper, over or under? Over. Uh, favorite kind of bug? Lightning. <laughs> uh, favorite kind of weather? Oh, I like 72 degrees, slight breeze, and partly cloudy. Is there a house on the rising sun? Yes. They, yeah, yeah, yes. It's in New Orleans. Fork, spoon, or knife? Spork. AC or DC? DC. Uh, what do you like to put in your tacos? Uh, lettuce, pico de gallo, uh, shredded beef. Is a DJ just someone who's good at iTunes? No, there's more to it. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's or Burger King? Burger King. Jimmy John's or Subway? Jimmy John's. Coke or Diet Coke? Diet Coke. Uh, the, uh, favorite, uh, favorite body part? Mm, right arm. <laughs> That's how we play <laughs> Some of these questions, I don't know if you can tell, uh, like, there's a, there was a list for it, but then we lost the list. Mm. So, <laughs> so there's a mix of improvising just now. Right. <laughs> sure. Like, sorry. Tyler, I've enjoyed having you in my apartment these last 45 minutes, but before we go, my last question to you is, are your parents proud of you? Yes, I believe they are. I'm sure they would tell me if they weren't. Great. Tyler, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tyler. And that is it for today's episode, folks. Next week on Are Your Parents Proud of You, I speak with the artistic director of the artistic home, Kathy Scambiatera. It's going to be a good one. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Email us at parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Matthew Schufreiter, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.